The Athletic. Good morning. Welcome to the daily football briefing from The Athletic. It's Thursday the 27th of July. I'm Ruben Pinder and today we're asking... Billionaire Joe Lewis has been charged with insider trading. What does it mean for Tottenham Hotspur? Ownership of his bit went to a family trust. Is everything okay at Wolverhampton Wanderers? They do need to make money this summer and they also haven't got a lot to spend, obviously, hence why they recently signed Matt Doherty on a free transfer. And how's the mood in the England camp ahead of their clash with Denmark? With Rachel Daly as a WSL Golden Boot winner, 22 goals, you'd expect more from this England side. You're listening to The Daily Football Briefing with Ruben Pinder. Joe Lewis, the 86-year-old businessman whose family trust owns Tottenham Hotspur, has been charged with insider trading. In a 29-page document, prosecutors laid out 16 counts of securities fraud and three counts of conspiracy, all of which carry maximum sentences of between 5 and 25 years in prison. But what does this mean for Spurs? Matt Slater of The Athletic is here to tell us more. Matt, first of all, can you clear up the ownership question? Does Joe Lewis actually own Spurs? Officially, no. And as far as the Premier League is concerned, legally, no as well. He doesn't. Now, this change happened in October 2022. Ownership of his bit went to a family trust. The key bit was that he was no longer the main beneficiary of that trust. However, I just want to, just before we move on, I think there are a couple of caveats to make. The first is that when this change was made back in October 2022, so before all this recent trouble, it was very much described to everybody that asked about it as business as usual, nothing has really changed. Just a little bit of family trust tidying up, if you like. Also, in the indictment itself, that obviously was a real bombshell when it landed, there is specific reference to Lewis using family trusts, in fact, even setting up family trusts for family members, and that he would not be the named beneficiary of that trust. But that actually being, if you like, a bit of a sham, that he considered himself to be the main beneficiary of that trust. So I just want to, I think that's worth noting that officially, formally, legally, no, he's no longer the owner of Tottenham Hotspurs. But according to the US authorities, he has done this before he set up trust before and has remained the beneficiary of our trust. And when the change was made, it certainly wasn't briefed, steered, hinted at, suggested that he was no longer in charge. So with all that in mind, are the club in any jeopardy here? No, I think that would be a stretch to suggest that. Tottenham Hotspur have been a very well-run club for a long time in terms of cash flow, in terms of just debt and what have you. Okay, look, they have a, they actually have a very big debt, but it is all related to the stadium and it's all long-term and relatively low cost. So no, there is no short-term problem at Spurs. Is this good news? No, no, it's not. It's embarrassing. And they will want it resolved as quickly as possible. But no, there is no crisis at Spurs because of Joe Lewis's own personal predicament. And will this have any effect on the sale process? What sale? Because this is... the. <laughs> if you phone up Spurs and suggest they're for sale, if you've, if you've tried this over the last decade or so... You get a very angry response. We're not for sale. Who suggested otherwise? Now, that is mainly because they've never formally officially been for sale, but they have been in 
make me an offer territory for a while. You know, Joe Lewis, he, he buys and sells companies, he's been doing it all his life. He's done it very, very well. I, I think it would be very hard at the moment for certainly someone in North America, the UK, to want to buy Spurs because they will they will worry about you know reputational risk, but they'll also worry about where this process is going, and if there's any kind of attempt made by the US authorities, assuming that they get a conviction, to seize assets, to try and forfeit property assets, to to sort of recompense people that have been fleeced, have been lost, they've lost out through this insider trading through these, through these allegations. So that's. So that would be a concern, and I think that would put a block on things. It won't put a block on things forever. One, Lewis could be found not guilty. And two, there is a way to sort of just move on from this and to sort of divorce what's happening with him and his ownership and his and his shares in the club. Wolverhampton Wanderers are experiencing a difficult summer. That's the opening line of our latest piece on the club, who, it turns out, aren't in the best shape. And that's led to manager Julian Lopetegui being quite outspoken about the state of things behind the scenes. To tell us the story, it's former Athletic Wolves correspondent and a voice that should be familiar to long-term listeners of this show, Tim Spears. Tim, how are Wolves having a bad summer if they've sold Ruben Neves for nearly 50 million? Yeah, good question. They've also sold Nathan Collins for 20 and Connor Cody for almost 10. But that's still not filled this financial black hole, which has been primarily sort of left by last season spending they spent 170 million pounds last season i think people might might not quite realize just how much spent probably because the players they brought did absolutely nothing so they spent more than 100 million on mateus nunes mateus cunha and gonzalo guedes who between the three of them did absolutely nothing but a bad recruitment is is one of the main reasons that led wolves into this position of that 170 million you know a lot of it was spent in january when they were bottom of the league at christmas and and desperately needing to to spend a lot of money to save up under new manager lopetegui he impressively guided them to safety but yeah as a result of this poor recruitment over the last few years they're having to to sell this summer before they can buy and they need to sell a few more yet. So yeah, Wolves don't have the income of, of clubs that they're aspiring to be. You know, they don't have a big stadium. They don't have a, a massive corporate offering or huge sponsorship. So um, both for FFP reasons and also Fosun wanting a bit of a return on their sizable investment, they do need to make money this summer. And they also haven't got a lot to spend, obviously, hence why they recently signed Matt Doherty on a free transfer, their former player, and they're trying to sign Aaron Cresswell on the other flank for, for sort of less than £5 million if they can. So, But the primary target right now is, is to raise money before they can, they can buy. As mentioned, Julian Lopetegui has been speaking to the media. What's he been saying, and is he going to stay? Yeah, he was very vocal at the end of last season about the impending financial issues, sort of suggesting that they weren't made clear to him when he joined the club in the winter. He's now roughly said the same again in an interview this week, which won't please Wolves' owners because it's not a club interview. He's sort of gone off the radar to to do this and speak of his frustration. But a worrying sign for Wolves fans is that he says plan A has been ditched, but now they can't get plan B going either due to the financial constraints. And he thought Raul Jimenez was staying, but instead he's been sold to Fulham. So he's not happy. The owners aren't happy that he's done it. The recruitment team aren't happy because they can't they can't buy the players they want. The fans certainly aren't happy. The players are probably a bit worried. So uh, yeah, it's not, it's not a happy club at the moment. Finally, lots of Chinese owners have left European football recently. Is Fosun going to follow suit and sell Wolves? Officially not for sale. Interestingly, uh, in, in the piece that Steve's written today, Grasshoppers, a club Wolves run in all but name, 
are up for sale in Switzerland, I would slightly guard against bracketing Wolves with other Chinese owners because they're an international conglomerate. They, they always have been. So they're a little bit removed from your normal sort of Chinese investors. But they are finding it tough at Wolves. You know, they bought Wolves for 30 million quid, believe it or not, and took them to the Europa League quarterfinals within four years. After spending around sort of two, three hundred million on transfers to get there and to seventh in the Premier League. But if you're going to stay seventh in the Premier League, you've got to keep that level of investment huge every single year. But that's also got to be backed up with smart recruitment, which just hasn't happened. And yeah, it's one of the reasons that Wolves are in a bit of trouble right now. You're listening to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. World Cup to end on, and we're a day away from European champions England taking on Denmark in Sydney. The question coming into this one for the Lionesses is who's going to be in that starting eleven, and where the goals are going to come from. To help answer those questions, I'm joined by women's football writer Charlotte Harper. Charlotte, has there been a bit of a reality check for England following their marginal 1-0 win over Haiti? I think that reality check came a long time ago, to be honest. England haven't really looked very connected since last autumn. England haven't scored an open play for 337 minutes. So some may have expected a high scoring game against Haiti in England's favour. But that wasn't the case. And I don't think that should have been expected. Is there any suggestion in camp that England are concerned about this lack of goals? Well, Alex Greenwood said no, there isn't. If we look back to the Euros last year and the 1-0 win against Austria, that was a, a nervy performance. But I think there should be some concern given how England really put the foot on the gas in the lead up to the Euros. The build up was very good. And then the Euros itself, this key game against Denmark, they they really need to start scoring some goals, which sounds very obvious. But with Rachel Daly as a WSL Golden Boot winner, 22 goals, you'd expect more from this England side. Speaking of Daly, she didn't start against Haiti. And as we know, Serena Wiegmann doesn't tend to make changes to her starting eleven. Is it time for that to change? I wouldn't be surprised if Daly started ahead of Russo. I think Serena Wiegmann has got this reputation of sticking to her starting eleven and and not budging in any sense. In some aspects, that's true, as we saw in the Euros. But Serena Wiegmann has made changes in the past. She just doesn't make them very often. Uh, So in her four major tournaments, she has made only four tactical changes. But with the Netherlands in Euros 2017, she dropped her captain. And she will make uh, changes to the starting eleven if for footballing reasons, and she will always emphasise it's always about the football, always about performance, there are valid explanations of why she done so. But given England's lack of connections on the pitch, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if she does make some tweaks. You can keep up with everything World Cup related over on the Athletic Women's Football Podcast with Michelle Owen. It's out every match day. Telly time, and speaking of the World Cup, you should be just in time for Portugal versus Vietnam at 8.30am. If not, there's a tasty clash between a Sam Curless Australia and Nigeria at 11am. And if you're in America or up really late in the UK, there's Argentina against South Africa at 1am or 9pm on the East Coast. Away from the Antipodes, there's a host of League's Cup group stage matches taking place if you're that way inclined. You can find them, as ever, on Apple TV. Oh, and with my athletic cap on, there's some Conference League qualifiers taking place, including our very own Haverford West, who face B36 from the Faroe Islands. Niche, but check out Haverford West's kit to know what I'm on about. 
That's all for today. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Ruben Pinder. Your producer was Abby Patterson and executive producer was Ian McIntosh. Tim Spears will be back tomorrow, so make sure you subscribe. And if you've got the time, leave us a review and let us know what you think. See you tomorrow. The Athletic.